Okay, I think today we need to express our congratulations to Anthon and New Generation celebrating 20th anniversary. Anthon, God bless you. Take a stand, man. Take a, take a bow now. Take a bow. All right. And they're having a uh, gala um, luncheon today at 2 o'clock. I'm not sure about that. Uh, 2 o'clock. So if you're getting, can you still buy tickets? Oh boy, you're done. You left out. Sorry about that. Okay. Congratulations, though. It's a wonderful group honoring the Lord to music. We want to continue our message on the family. We gave our opening, our initial message uh, a few weeks back. Today we want to give the second part of that. The title of that message or that particular part of it was Marriage, Its Divine Purpose and Devilish Perversion. Last time we looked at the first aspect, the divine purpose of marriage. And we saw that the divine purpose of marriage was to show what God was like and to provide fulfillment for husband and wife. And that was a glorious, glorious perspective from the Word of God. But last time we stopped at the point in which husband and wife and God were enjoying the rich benefits of the fulfillment of God's divine purpose for marriage, which as we saw is to show what God is like and to provide fulfillment for husband and wife. Now I really wish that we could stay on this mountaintop of divine satisfaction and human ecstasy. But unfortunately, we cannot. We must move on. And this is because, you see, that old serpent, the devil, he crawled in. It is wonderful, beautiful, divine purpose in order to ruin it and to pervert it. Because as you go into the scriptures, you find that the fall introduced a devilish perversion of God's purpose for marriage and family. And so I invite you to take your Bibles now, please, and to turn to Genesis chapter 3. We'll be looking at the first 20 verses this morning and try to go through it in some detail, but more so to summarize its impact upon marriage and the family. The first 13 verses describe for us the perversions or judgment that was self-imposed. The perversions or judgments that were self-imposed. Now let's look at it very briefly. I want to read the first six verses and then we will make some comments on them. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field. And the Lord God had, that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Let's stop there for a moment. These verses reveal to us the basic causes for problems in marriage today. Many of us are not aware of that fact, but it's quite true. And as we go to these passages today, I trust that you will see that the first place we need to look when we have problems in our marriage is in the Bible, the Word 
of God. Now look at verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. One of the first distortions or perversions of marriage that the fall introduced was the loss of intimacy between husband and wife that led to the distortion of leadership roles. In fact, we can say the distortion of marital roles. All of the basic causes for conflict in the marriage begins right here. Right here. Because one of the primary foundations for our marriage was distorted, and that is the roles within the marriage, the roles of leadership, especially, the role of leadership especially. Notice what Eve did. She acted independently of God. Or rather, she acted independently of Adam. Because Adam was the one to whom God had given the initial command, and perhaps Adam passed it on. We're not quite sure whether she was there when God gave him the initial command or not. Probably not, but she got it from Adam. And as we'll see, there's no doubt that Eve was made for Adam. And as we saw last time, that entailed the idea of leadership. But she acted independently of Adam's leadership. But then Adam also acted independently of God. He chose to disobey God. What does that mean? That means he was placing himself in the place of God. Why? Because he was the one who was making an independent decision that he was not authorized to make. And I say to you that this is the basic motivation for sin. Not only in, in, the, in, in the marriage situation, but generally speaking. The basic motivation for sin is for us to be independent of God. We want to do our own thing regardless of what God says. Adam knew what God said. Eve knew what God said. But they both acted independently. They choose to be their own leader. Eve rejected the leadership of Adam. Adam rejected the leadership of God. They wanted to be independent of God. And that is the root of sin. Every time you sin, you place yourself in the place of God because you're acting independently of Him. That's what sin is, acting independently of God. That's the root cause for sin. That's the root cause for problems within marriage. Husband and wife do not want to follow the instructions of God because they think it will hurt them. That's where the perversion comes in. They believe that which is good for them will bring pain. And so rather than obeying, they disobey. And so Satan 
achieved his purpose to cause the first couple to rebel against the authority of God. He began with the weaker vessel who then enticed her mate to do the same. She was deceived by the deceiver and she fell into sin. By the way, sin is always a falling away from God. Whenever you sin, you fall away. The fall didn't stop with the fall. The fall has been going on ever since. The fall is what characterizes as sinners. Whenever we choose to disobey God, we fall away from God. And we carry on the results of the fall by falling every day when we become independent of him. Adam was enticed by his helpmate. Enticed. But he chose to sin. Now this is very important. He chose to sin. He chose as the leader that God has made him to be, to replace God with his wife. That's a strong statement. Look at it carefully. Whose voice did she listen to? Did he listen to? He listened to his wife's voice. That means he put his wife above God. Look at your marriage situation. What is the cause of the conflict? It's because we want to act independently. And when we act independently, we are always listening to someone else's worse voice other than God. Either a husband, a wife, or the devil. But whenever we disobey God, we are listening to another voice. Adam listened to his wife's voice when he shouldn't do it. Now, believe it or not, man, there's sometimes when God tells us we better listen to our wives. But this is not one of them. This is not one of them. Why? Because a very important basic spiritual truth was being established here in the garden. And that was that God is boss of the family. Who's the boss? God. And he has designated a representative in the family, and that's the man. And whenever those roles are reversed, and the woman chooses to be the boss, as in the case of Eve, we fall away from God. And there's only disaster. And the thing which God has given us to be a blessing is turned into a curse because we act independently of God. You see... Eve succumbed to a crucial area of female weakness. Submission. Submission to a husband is one of the most, I was going to say awful, but that might be an awful thing to say, difficult things for wives to do in a marriage, to submit to a husband. Most difficult. That's the area she failed in. She could not. Accept the leadership of a husband. Why? Because if I did, all of these other good things would be lost. But we're going to see that was a lie. Adam, on the other hand, he succumbed to the area of the major area of a male's weakness, and that's accountability. He blamed God for the woman. That's right. 
The woman was meant to be a blessing. But when he fell, he blamed God for giving him the woman. The woman whom you gave me. Accountability is thrown out. This is one of the major problems for, in marriages for men to be accountable for leading the home the way God wants it. Do you know that in most key counseling situations, and I'm sure that Helen and Pastor Arnold back is up here, it's a devilish thing to try to get a man to come in for counseling. They would resist like crazy. The woman, yes. But the man, no way. It's so hard. It's so difficult. Why? Because they're afraid to face accountability. That's what it is. God has made them accountable as leaders, head of the home. That's why we have a saying, and I believe it's biblical. Every problem in the home, no matter who is the initiating cause for it, but every problem in the home is the husband's responsibility to fix, to get it right. Not the wife's, not the children, it's the husband. And when he fails to take that responsibility, he shuts accountability away. And this is why respect is such an important thing for a man. And why he loses it. A man loses respect of his wife and his family because of a failure many times to take up his role leadership position. That's why when we come to Ephesians 5, the last thing that God says to the wife, see that you respect your husband. You see? But I want you to see what's happening here. The two essential areas in a marriage for man and a woman is affected by the fall. The woman in the area of submission, the male in the area of accountability. But then secondly, the awakening of guilt and shame led to the introduction of masks between husband and wife. Look at verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Now in the, in the context of marriage, this shows us the introduction of something, a situation that is so difficult with husband and wife. And that is for them to share the most intimate needs with one another. Some of the things we hear in counseling from a woman is always, but I can't tell him. I'm afraid. I cannot tell him. I cannot share it. I can tell her that. If I tell her that, I can get no food. If I tell her that, she ain't going to respect me. Husband and wife cannot share the innermost feelings. Why? It started right here when they gave up these essential areas. And so masks has come. That's what the coverings represent. Husband and wife are not open to one another. That's why counseling is doing so much good business today. Because they go to a third party. That shouldn't be the case. There should be no need, as far as Christians are concerned, for Christian counseling in marital situations with husband and wife. No need. Why isn't it? Because sin has entered in. That's why there's a need. Sin has entered in. 
genuine communication was perverted between husband and wife. When they talk, they're talking past one another. They're not being absolutely open to one another. Male and female hid the real, the real selves from each other, each with the mistaken idea that they were protecting themselves through their own efforts, independent of each other and of God. See, that's it. Who was Eve's protector? Adam. Who was Adam's protector? God. But now, you see, they're hiding not only from each other, they're hiding from God. The very ones that they need to help, to provide protection, what are they doing? They're hiding. One of the first causes or motivations for God bringing a wife into the life of Adam was to bring companionship, to bring a friend. And a companion and a friend is supposed to be one that we can share, we can be open with. And that's the first thing they lost when they acted independently of God. They lost, they lost that intimacy of communication with one another. They lost it. The very thing that God had provided as, and he made Eve was lost because they wanted to act independent of God. Husband and wife are supposed to be one another's best friend, best companion. But look at your own marriage. Look at many marriages. Are you? Do you share more things with your close friend than with your husband or your wife? Then you are still living under the curse. That's what God has given us one another for. And this loss of intimacy with, with God then led to the major perversion of marriage. Couple are no longer open to God and therefore no longer open to one another. No husband, no wife can be completely open to God and not open to their mates. And whenever you see there's the failure to be open to a husband or wife, your relationship with God has to be checked. I believe that this is one of the most crucial passages of scriptures here. The whole of the Bible relative to communion with God. I believe it is the seed revelation of the ongoing progressive revelation concerning genuine fellowship with God. Not only with regard to husband and wife, but generally speaking. Listen to verse 8. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Look at this saying now. This is probably one of the most beautiful Tranquil scenes ever pictured in the scriptures. God and the apex, ultimate of his creation, male and female, sitting under a coconut tree near the beach in the cool of the day. Can you imagine anything more tranquil, more serene? And there they are, talking to one another. 
Adam and Eve talking to God. God talking to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve talking to each other. Perfect communication, no masks, no problems. Nothing. That's what God designed marriage to be, just like that. Husband and wife sitting down, talking with one another in a peaceful, tranquil situation and talking to God at the same time. That's God's purpose. But now notice, God comes to this prearranged meeting with husband and wife. But they're not there. So he goes looking. Adam, where art thou, King James? Where art thou? I hear in the bushes, Lord. In the bushes? Adam, what are you doing in the bushes? When you were supposed to be here communing with me, communing with Eve, why are you hiding in the bushes? Because I found out something that you didn't tell me. That's the implication. Notice that now. He found out information that God didn't tell him. And look what it brought on. Hmm? Now you think that God wasn't going to give him that information? How did it begin? God created male and female in his image to show what he was like. God was going to reveal everything about himself to Adam and Eve in his time. But the devil comes along. God is hiding this from you because the moment you do that, you'll become like him. Isn't that what God wanted him to be? Be like him? Yes, definitely. But he was doing it in his time. See, the devil is like that. The devil is always trying to cause us to do things outside of God's time. That's what he did to Jesus. Took Jesus up to the pinnacle of the temple. Look at all the kingdom of the earth. I'll give them to you right now. You don't have to go to the cross. He still uses that to you today. God wants you to have wealth. He wants you to be successful. But he wants it to come his way. Not by stealing and robbing or giving up your virtue in order to get a raise or to get little ahead in business. No, no, no. No, God has a purpose. But Satan, I could get it for you a little quicker. What happened to Eve? What happened to Adam? Notice what God said. Who told you? What is he saying? What other voice have you listened to since you last spoke to me? Listen carefully. Every time you get out of God's will, you're listening to someone else's voice other than God. Either the devil or yourself. You know, oh yeah, Lord, I know you want me to be out to Awana tonight. I know you want me to be out to Bible study. I know you want me to be in the choir. But Lord, you know, I work hard and I'm so tired. Lord, I'm not going to do that. Now, God has given you a gift for the benefit of God's people. That's his voice. But then your voice comes in. Yeah, Lord, i too tired. Well, I got to exert too much energy. And so you stay home and you watch TV or you do something else and you feel quite satisfied about it. Why? Because you have listened to your own voice or perhaps the voice of the devil, but not necessarily the voice of God. Whenever we get outside of God's will, 
We are listening to somebody else's voice other than God. And that's the root cause of problems in marriage or the failure for problems in marriage to be corrected because we listen to somebody else's voice other than God. You see, that's one of the dangers of counseling. Especially for those who do not base their counseling on the Word of God. We could give advice that's contrary to the Word of God but seems to be immediately good for the couple. It relieves the pressure, it relieves the problem, but it's not in keeping with the Word of God. You see, we're trying to get the fix because before God has planned the fix to take place. And so we get an immediate relief. But then later on, we pay the price. You see, the tendency here is to deny respective responsibilities in marriage because we're listening to another voice other than, our, other than God's. Adam said, my wife made me do it. Verse 12. It's God's fault. That's what he's saying in the final analysis. Eve said, now this time he, he, she, gave, she, she, she took Adam off the hook. He said, the devil made me do it. Why well, we like to use that one, eh? Remember that comedian? I forgot his name. The devil made me do it. And many Christians took a hold of that. And every time they did wrong, the devil made me do it. That's not true all the time. Sometimes it's you. You, like Adam, chose to sin against God. The devil did not make Adam choose. Adam deliberately chose it because he wanted to please his wife. But now look at some, that's the perversions they brought upon themselves. But now let's quickly look at to the perversions that were divinely imposed in verse 14. Let me read verses 14 and 15. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go and dust you will eat in the day, all the days of your life and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the heel and you shall bruise him on the... You, he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. The serpent was cursed as a result of this fall. The woman was not cursed as we go through this, but the ground was. The man was not cursed, but the ground was. Serpent and the ground are the only things cursed in these passages. So be careful, because that idea, that concept of curse is a terrible one in the Scriptures. And the curse was not put on the man, the curse was not put on the woman, it was put on the ground and was put on the serpent. But that's not our focus today. The focus of the woman's judgment is her relationship to her husband and her role as a mother. Both of these were involved in God's original mandate to the couple in Genesis 1, 28 and 30. Remember, Eve was made for the man. Then she was blessed to be the means of bringing children into the world, to represent what God was like as far as his creatorship was concerned. And so she had two relationships, two important areas, a relationship to her husband and a relationship to children. And these are the two areas that were affected because the fact that she fell. Two basic areas here. It's important for us to understand this. The mandate to procreate is now to be fulfilled through multiplied pain or childbirth. 
it seems in Scripture that the bringing forth of children is always to be with joy. And although there seems to be a little pain would be involved with not much pain, but all this was changed. Because remember, it says that God blessed them and said to multiply. Bearing of children was to be a blessing. It is designed to be a blessing. A mother is always to look at her children, a child bearing as a blessing. But is that true now? No. Childbearing is now seen by many as a curse rather than a blessing. Because of both of the physical and emotional pain of bearing and rearing children. And women, especially younger women, are running away from becoming mothers today. That's why Mother's Day same in the next two or three decades will no longer be observed. If we keep going the way young mothers are going today. Generally speaking, why? Because no one wants to be a mother. They, be, they want to be a woman of the century. What does that mean? Profession. Big business outside. Big running all around, but not in the home. Was that God's intention? No. It's because of the fall. And so a woman looks now at birth, not as a blessing in most cases. Now there are exceptions, especially with Christians. This is a general. And so what happens? Remember we ended with that beautiful saying with husband and wife enjoying uh, physical relationships and God is pleased with it. But now, a husband and wife, especially the wife, when they look at that relationship, they look at lovemaking with fear rather than with joy. Why? Because maybe we can have a baby. And I don't want to have a baby. That's why contraceptives, contraceptives and abortion are being the means of robbing and taking away from the true joy of the experience of lovemaking because of the fear of having children. Now, I'm speaking generally. That's what abortion is all about, the fear of having a child, which God calls a blessing. That's what so-called child planning is all about. You see, I think we can go to Scriptures and to show you that if we had followed God's plans, God's would provide, give children to their wives when it was the right time to give. Women know right now there's certain times that they cannot reproduce. Isn't that right? Cannot conceive. They know that. I believe God is going to fix it up. And so that's exactly the way it was going to be. And so that the sexual relationship will be something that's looked forward to. Something will be with joy. But no, not any longer, generally speaking. The only way that a husband and wife now can face that relationship with joy is if they have contraceptives. Or if, like many are doing, as we say in Nassau, tied the tube. Then I can enjoy sex. Was that God's purpose? No, it wasn't. That's what sin caused. You have to realize this. But it also affected her co-ruler role with her mate. That's perverted also. Not only the joy of having children, the joy of sexual relationships without fear. By the way, if we could get into psychology here if you want, and you'll find out a lot of women, that's the reason why they cannot experience complete fulfillment with lovemaking. Because of that fear behind them that there might be a child. And so they cannot give themselves freely to their husband. That's because of the fall. But now, look at verse 16 again. 
To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth and pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Now this is probably one of the most important verses of scripture that has to do with the role and female, role of the male and female in marriage, right here. I wonder if I should get into it. Uh, the same thing happens all the time. That's when we finish it, and then maybe I'll... Uh, it says, what does it mean when he says here, you, your, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you? What does that mean? Well, first of all, there's a view that it means that Eve will continue to have sexual desire for Adam, even though she knew that there would be pain in childbearing as a result. In other words, this desire refers to sexual pleasure with the husband. The concept here is that in spite of pain involved in childbearing, the woman will still desire to have sexual relationship with the husband. The implication is that the tension would be created in fulfilling the mandate to bear children. In other words, women would be less inclined to have children because of the physical pain involved. And many commentators go for that. And that's the part of the curse. But then there's another view. And it is that the desire that Eve has refers to Adam's position of authority. In other words, she will go on desiring to act independently of her husband and do her own thing. In other words, she would usurp his authority. The concept here is the woman will continue to desire independency apart from the rulership of the man. But he will nonetheless continue to have dominion over her because that's the way God had set it up. But God didn't set it up for it to be a tension. The tension has come about because of the fall. There's a biblical basis for this belief. Go over to Genesis chapter 4 verse 7. This is the only other place where the grammatical construction with regard to the term desire is used in the word of God. And it's used with a negative connotation. This has to do with Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel, you know. Verse, eight, verse 7, verse 6, I'll read verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your, uh, your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, now here's the phrase, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you. Notice this, but you must master it. You see, this is a negative connotation. There's sin at the door, and its desire is to overcome you, but you will overcome it. Now you see right in the way that there is, there is a real negative aspect of demonstrating power here. The power of the uh, 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 of uh, Cain, or rather, who killed who killed what? Um, Cain killed Abel. The power of Cain is to be seen in his holding down sin that is desiring to overpower him. In the Greek, it's a word and is used also in Genesis three in concerning Adam and Eve. The picture is of a person standing over a snake with his heel on his head, holding it down. Force is being used. In other words, what is being said here is that Eve's sin frustrated God's rulership, image in the marriage relationship. The man will now have to rule over a resistant woman, 
rather than rule with a cooperating helpmate. Now don't tell me you don't know anything about this resistant woman. But that was not God's plan. It was to be a cooperative helpmate. But now God's image is seen in man under sin, under the curse. God's original purpose is marred because of sin. And because of this, the true nature and meaning of a shared authority among equals cannot be adequately demonstrated as designed by God. The tension came about because of sin. And I believe that's the meaning of this passage. It had nothing to do with the desire for sexual relationships because of the pain in childbirth, but rather... A woman will always want to have her own way in the marriage rather than accept the headship of the man. That's a perversion of the marriage relationship. And you could try everything under the sun to correct it. Until you get back here, you're always going to have the conflict. But there's something else. Thirdly, the process for the man's support of his family is perverted. It goes to the ground now. The ground was supposed to produce gladly as it were, readily. There were no plans for thorns and thistles and for the soil not producing. No, no, no. But now the ground is cursed. And man who was to show his, his submission to God by uh, uh, caring for the earth in such a way that it would bring him joy as well as resources to live it now becomes a time of sorrow and toil. This is why Paul tells us that if a man doesn't work, don't let him eat. The dignity of man is removed when he begs for food. When he looks to his wife to provide the means for the food. Oh yeah. Some people say, no, no, no. Today my husband's staying home. Care for I'm making all the money. Sounds good. But that's not what the scripture shows. Now, that could be worked out in some ways, but that's not what the scripture shows. It's a distortion. A man must work to provide for his family. That's built in to the creation order of the marriage institution. And we could work around it all we like. We could counsel all we like and bring all kinds of things. We could bring in all of the daycare centers. And by the way, the daycare centers are making much money today. Why? Because the husband and wife are not taking the responsibility as parents. Say all you like, but that's true when you get right back down to it. But here's some other consequences of the fall. We'll come back to this. Remember, this is only the overall principle here. Quickly, some other consequences of the fall. The woman's priority shifts from the husband-wife relationship as intended by God in Genesis 1 to the home-children concerns. In other words, then you read Scripture. The, wife, the, 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 the wife's primary concern should be her husband. Then the children. But now when you go on, you'll see that that priority has changed. When a child comes into the home now many times, the husband is put on the shelf. And all the time and the love that was given to him is now placed on the children. And very rarely there's intimacy anymore because of children. That's not God's design. That's not God's design. The woman's priorities were shifted from her husband to her children. God said that shouldn't be that way. But in chapter 4, worship in the home is also perverted. Man, this is a family revelation here. In other words, we have the story of Cain and Abel offering sacrifices. One accepted, one not accepted. This has to do with worship in the family. But it's perverted because of pride. 
because of selfishness. We'll spend a lot of time on that. But this is where it all began. The home is no more a place for worship as a family. No more. Generally speaking, one or two, yes. But generally speaking, no. And we have the idea, we let our children go, make their own choices. <laughs> when they make the wrong choices, God steps in and brings judgment. That's what happens here. But then thirdly, sibling relationships are perverted. The first murder in scriptures between siblings. It started in the home. Why? Because the order was disrupted, was perverted. And intimacy of relationships and the idea of, the, of headship and all of that was turned around. The tension being on the husband, all of that turned around. And as a result, there's anger in the family. The relationships between siblings are perverted. We can spend time on this. But then finally, polygamy is introduced in chapter 4. In other words, where God just, just said, I will bring a woman. Now the man says, that ain't good enough for me. I don't want a woman. I want many women. And so we have polygamy. Now polygamy in our, in our time is when you, when you marry another woman while having a single wife and so on. Polygamy is exercised many different ways. When a husband goes woman swapping, swap, uh, from house to house to a woman, that's polygamy. The only person who's supposed to have the intimacy is a person who is married. No, I, I got that wrong. Yeah, the only person who is to enjoy the sexual intimacy of a man is the woman that a man is married to. Everything else is perversion. And now, today, you don't have to go to somebody else's house. In fact, you don't even have to leave your house. All you got to do is lock up in your room and open the computer. And you can do the same thing without even touching a woman. You could be polygamous in your attitude. In other words, because of the perversion of the marriage and the, ho and the home and the husband-wife relationship, intimacy with God, intimacy with one another, all of these perversions have come about. And I don't care how we try to fix it. If we don't use the master's handbook, it will never be fixed. So that's why we close by saying that these perversions and judgments that have distorted, frustrated, and destroyed God's divine purpose for marriage and the family can only be corrected and reversed to the application and the effects of Christ's redemption on the cross to husband and wife, parents and children, both individually and corporately as a family. In other words, I'm saying we've got to put the effects of the cross in our marriage relationship. We have to live our marriage relationship and our relationship with our children under the foot of the cross. Jesus' work on the cross has canceled the effects of the fall. His indwelling presence enables and equips all believers to restore and affect God's original purpose in the marriage and family relationship. It's impossible for anyone else to do so. These kinds of situations we've described as perversion should never take place in the home of a Christian family. The only way they occur is because we are acting independently of God. We are sinning against God. You have to apply the effects of the cross. That means forgiveness. That means humility. That means the desire to honor the triune God in our relationship. And oh yes, young people, 
Let me tell you something. The marriage relationship is still the most wonderful relationship God has brought about on the face of this earth other than relationship with Him. It's a beautiful, wonderful, loft, uh, lofty, awesome relationship if done God's way. For those of you who are married, those of us, one question. Are you still living under the effects of the curse? Even though you claim to be redeemed by the blood of Christ. And yet in your home, there's fighting and division and divorce and bickering. The lack of respect for husband, lack of submission by the wife, lack of genuine love for the wife by the... As that's being done, you listening to someone else's voice other than God. Bow with me in a word of prayer, please. Father, thank you for this wonderful institution that you have so graciously given to us called marriage. Forgive us for the way that we have distorted it and we have carried on to the perversions of the fall. But help us now, we pray, by your grace as your people to apply the redemptive work of the cross to our marriage so that we can honor you in this relationship. And all of God's people said, Amen.